What makes a teacher the best and the brightest? Welcome to Hack Learning. It's what you can do tomorrow. I'm your host, Mark Barnes, and in the open, I ask you about the best and brightest teachers. And this is derived from a story that comes out of Florida where the governor wants to increase teacher pay. That's something that's worth doing, right? And he wants to do it by increasing uh, pay through bonuses or some sort of a merit system. Now, we've seen this before in education, and the problem with it is the system they're discussing is based on test scores. So we have standardized testing. So it's very easy to say if we look at a teacher's uh, student's test scores or we look at growth from one point of the year to the next, maybe the beginning to the end, based on those test scores, then we can create some sort of a compensation package based on that. Now, we know that that's flawed. It's a problem for sure because there are so many variables that those systems don't take into account. The phrase best and brightest comes from this program that they're working on in Florida where they want to give the bonus pay to the best and the brightest. They were talking, I believe it was about $9,000 a year, and that was the pool of money that was set up to give to a certain amount of teachers who would fit into this category. So as I like to do, I went to Facebook. I asked this question to my audience there and said, you know, who are the best and brightest? What makes a teacher fit this category? And of course, the first thing people said was, well, it's, it is uh, something that's subjective, who knows what that is? Some people say it's the teacher the kids like because that person maybe is fun. Some say uh, it's the, the teacher who works the longest hours. It's very subjective for sure. Uh, some said it's, it's the teacher who goes above and beyond, who does everything possible to continue learning. Well, again, that sounds great, but how do you measure that? And you know, if you've listened to my show and you've read our books in the Hack Learning series that... I'm certainly progressive-minded, and I, I don't like measurement. In general, I think it's a bad thing in education. When we try to measure learning with points and percentages and grades, it's ineffective and typically misrepresents what a learner truly knows. Even with teachers, I'm not sure that some sort of measurement is good. Perhaps we could, and I saw a lot of this in this conversation, perhaps we could have a system that is based on performance. So what are teachers doing to improve themselves. And that way we take out the subjectivity. It isn't one principal walking into a room and observing a teacher and saying, oh, this person looks really effective to me because it's just opinion. If we had a performance system, perhaps we could then actually have bonus pay that is effective. And I'd be anxious to see what you say about this. So please continue the conversation over at hashtag hack learning and on our Facebook page. One of the things I think could work is if we got teachers involved in passion projects. Now back in episode 74, I talked about passion projects as explained in the book Hacking Leadership by Joe Sanfilippo and Tony Sinanis. And you can take a look at that episode or listen to that episode and there's show notes pages as well over at hacklearning.org. I think one of the things that I like about this, and I want to combine this with some other performance items that we could create to get teachers to show, if we want to use that phrase, that they are the best and the brightest. And I'm not sure that that's a very good phrase to use. The authors of Hacking Leadership say, get teachers thinking about their passions. Introduce the idea of passion projects and ask teachers to begin thinking about what they want to work on so they will be prepared to dive into their projects as soon as you 
make time available to them. They say to pass on good resources. Once you know the goals and interests of your staff members, you may be able to provide suggestions for relevant resources. This is where we see leaders moving to the middle to facilitate the passion projects. The authors say to provide opportunities for informal meetings. The first step is to listen when you ask your staff what kinds of connections they need. Then find a way to make opportunities for those connections to happen. This could be in an, quote, appy hour. That's app, appy hour. After school, where staff connect and talk about apps that are working in their classrooms. See, I love this because what we're doing is we're growing. When we get to a point where we try to measure growth in any way, it gets difficult. But if we look at performance, it becomes easy. And that's what we're about with hack learning is taking the difficult and making it easy. What the authors of Hacking Leadership suggest is we provide opportunities for our educators to grow. And we don't necessarily have to measure that. What they need to do is to then do something that contributes to their own learning and their own growth as an educator, which we then hope and assume that they will translate to the classroom and will ultimately help kids, which is what we want to do. So another example of this, I'm going to go to another hack learning book, Hacking Literacy by Gerard Dawson. Here's an idea of a project. Now, Gerard wasn't talking about passion projects. In Hacking Literacy, he's talking about helping teachers get better at making their kids love reading. One of the things he talks about in Hack 3 in Hacking Literacy is he says develop a classroom library. Now, if we make a connection across two books and different authors, school leaders and teachers, and think about this idea of performance, we can make a really interesting connection here. In Hacking Leadership, our authors say, create opportunities that we might call passion projects for educators that would make them better. And in Hacking Literacy, in an effort to create a culture of readers, Gerard Dawson says, one of the things you need to do is develop a classroom library. So if we were to create a menu of passion projects that we could provide for our teachers that would help them grow, and then ultimately we could somehow come up with a system to provide a bonus pay, if that's what we want to do. And that's what this is really about today, but maybe we don't want to do it, but if that's the goal. We're trying to make that easier. So what if one of those projects was to develop a classroom library? What if you told a, a, maybe teachers who are English language arts or history or anyone who thinks it would be helpful to their students, you said, one of our passion projects is to develop and nurture this classroom library so that your kids are surrounded by books. And in addition to making them better at your own subject, you're helping them become lifelong readers. And that's phenomenal no matter what you teach. In Develop a Classroom Library and Hacking Literacy, Gerard Dawson says, for one, we need to call local public libraries. Librarians at public libraries consistently call their shelves to make room for new books. Sometimes they have sales to raise funds for the library. Sometimes they give the books away. You probably won't get the latest young adult novel this way, but there are still treasures to be found. Now, I know this is true because I did it myself when I was teaching language arts years ago, and I had a great relationship with the teen librarian at our local library and when they called the shelves he would actually bring me boxes of books. Nurturing that relationship and getting my kids to the library and bringing the librarian in to make sure they all had library cards and to teach them about the resources available at the public library was a part of that rapport that we had. Building that relationship so you can inspire that person to bring you books and you can then build your library and ultimately turn your kids into readers. Now that's a passion project that anyone can take on that's that's noteworthy 
that ultimately is going to benefit our kids. And again, there's a lot of layers to that project. So if we had that and we said one of the things you can do to show your growth in uh, our passion project model is to build a classroom library. And here are the ways you do that. That's one thing we could have to help us if we want to then use the word measure what stu- what teachers are doing to improve and to grow as educators. And ultimately, we're going to create this system where if you do a certain amount of things, we might then call you, if we're going with that opening phrase and what they want to go with in Florida, the best and the brightest. And if you hit these targets with your passion projects and you hit, you become what we call best and brightest, then there might be some sort of compensation at the end, whether that's pay or something else. And I think this is the way we need to do this. And it's a hack that solves this problem. It solves the problem by removing subjectivity. And that is what most of my friends on my social channels have said is the biggest issue is subjectivity. If we're going to pay teachers extra, is that a good thing? I don't know. Maybe it's not. But certainly we want to compensate our educators. If we want to identify people that we would say are going above and beyond and we want to compensate them in some manner, we need a system that removes subjectivity. We need to give them opportunities. And of course, we need to make sure that those opportunities are, they're taking advantage of those and they're creating an environment for learning and they're improving. And then maybe they are the best and the brightest And we're happy about that additional compensation. Hey, if you'd like to learn more about passion projects, you can check out episode 74 over at hacklearningpodcast.com. If you would like to learn about building a classroom library and other passion project ideas, you can check out Hacking Literacy and all books at hacklearningbooks.com and over at hacklearning.org and check out our library because we have a growing collection of books there that are filled with ideas that you could use as passion projects and you could use to help your educators grow. And ultimately, that's going to make your kids better. You've been listening to the Hack Learning Podcast. I'm Mark Barnes. Check out more of our episodes at hacklearningpodcast.com. I'm John Prido. I'm the U.S. editor at The Economist and host of a podcast called Checks and Balance. I'm Charlotte Howard, the New York bureau chief. I'm John Fassman, the Washington correspondent. Each week, we take a theme shaping American politics right now and tap into America's rich history to answer some big questions. How do we hold an election in a pandemic? Why is the president trying to raise oil prices? How powerful is the Democratic Party machine? Is America ceding global leadership? With help from economist correspondents around the world, we dig into the data, the ideas, and the history shaping the race for the White House. And take a view without taking sides. That's Checks and Balance, the global view on democracy in America. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Acast, or your podcast app, 